This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here and you're listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. I'm, I'm so glad to uh, continue recording new episodes finally. Uh, the past three weeks were pretty busy. I had been traveling a lot and just came back from Medium only around a week ago. It was a very successful event. I uh, presented uh, data music there. So we were finalists in the Medium marketing competition. And uh, the conference was definitely very fruitful networking wise. And you, dear listener of this podcast, uh, will have a chance to hear my conversations with some of the most interesting and promising entrepreneurs and uh, music startups uh, who I essentially met uh, at at Medium. Uh, So uh, we have uh, a number of cool conversations scheduled and I will be recording the new uh, podcasts uh, starting uh, next week so keep your ears peeled uh, it will be something very interesting and right now we've got uh, a very special guest on this show he's someone who I've been about to interview for quite a while now and finally we had a chance to have uh, this conversation uh, the name of the guest is Vinny Ribas. He is the CEO and founder of IndieConnect. Vinny has spent many years educating musicians and helping artists get the most out of their careers. And uh, he's written just hundreds of uh, insightful articles on the topic of music business and marketing. He's been running workshops and uh, doing a lot of great stuff in this uh, sphere in in this educational market which is obviously very close to me and i i just greatly appreciate what he's doing and uh, i want you to uh to get some inspiration and advice from vinnie directly so here we go thank you for listening and welcome uh, vinnie to wisping recipes podcast it's really great to have you uh, not just on this show but even have the conversation with you over skype i think this is the first time we actually have a call even though we've been uh, communicating from time to time for a few years now and i've been following what you do for quite a while so uh, welcome to the show and uh, how are you doing i'm doing awesome thank you for having me on the show i appreciate it so Vinny. Do you mind uh, sharing a little bit of a background? It's this kind of standard question, but I'm extremely interested in hearing it and uh, you sharing it with our listeners because I know that you've got quite a few stories to share. Sure. I was a full-time musician for 20 years. During that time, I was also a booking agent. I was an artist manager. I had my own recording studio. I toured all over the world. Nothing on on a major label scale. A lot of smaller things. I worked on a lot of cruise ships and things like that. But basically, I did just about everything that you can do. I was a songwriter, still am, and did just about everything you can do. And I, you know, I have over forty years' experience in the industry. And it, well, a quick question: So, where have you been uh, located for all these years? Oh, I'm in Nashville right now. And before that, so did you? I was in, I was in Reno, and then I was in Connecticut. Yeah, clear, good. And uh, uh, so uh, why did you start uh, doing some other things in the industry and specifically helping other musicians and songwriters? 
Well, actually, it's kind of a, a funny story. I was running networking events for general businesses here in Nashville, and we're doing something different. It was more like a mastermind luncheon every week. And I had a lot of musicians coming to those meetings because it's very different than a chamber meeting or any other kind of networking event. It was more conducive to them because we basically went around the table and everybody had around the room and everybody had a chance to say, this is me, this is what I'm working on, and this is what I need next. And so with so many musicians coming, I asked them one day, I said, would you like to meet once a week and talk music business? They said, sure. The first week that I did that, and we scheduled it for a Monday, I had five or six people, but I also got a call from somebody in LA who found out about it and said, I want to start the LA chapter. I said, of what? We only have a luncheon of a couple of guys and a couple of gals getting together. But what I realized is that there was no support out there in the way that there are songwriter organizations like Nashville Songwriters Association. There are no, no organizations out there for artists to help them. It didn't take long. Within a couple of months, I had 30 to 40 people coming every single week to my luncheon. And it didn't take long after that when I actually had five different events going every single week in Nashville. So the, the need is definitely there for us to support each other. We had industry personnel coming in. We had speakers coming in. Right from the beginning, the first time that I got together, I asked one of my friends who was going to be there. I said, would you talk a little bit about what you do in the industry? He was a publicist. And uh, it was actually his newsletter that got out that uh, you know somebody in L.A. found out about. But we had a videographer come probably our second or third meeting. And he said, these talks are really good. I'm going to just start videotaping them. And so from the beginning, which was in 2007, we started getting these full-length workshops, literally, by all of these industry professionals, absolute industry experts. It didn't take long before we had some of the top people in the, in the city, in the industry, calling me to, to come and speak at our events. So it, it didn't start as a business but we soon recognized that there was a need for it. And that's when we turned it into a business. Yeah. yeah. And, and some time ago, I remember that uh, you even organized the uh, first of a kind's um, online conference, music industry conference. I know that yeah. there were some issues with it, but I still consider it a really cool experience and something unique. So maybe a couple of words on that. Sure. It was the virtual music conference. And what I discovered is that because the world right now is so connected virtually where you can, you know, you've got friends on Facebook that are all over the world. You've got friends on LinkedIn that are all over the world. It only made sense, especially for those people who couldn't afford to go to a concert like Madame or a conference like Madame to be able to connect live online. And we found a software online that was designed for virtual conferences. It had a whole setup where it looked like a trade show and it had video live video feeds so you can actually showcase your songs and your music to other people. And it was just a weekend of, we had 550 people from 27 different countries all together online networking with each other. It was spectacular. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, I'm really grateful for being able to speak at this virtual event. So it was real fun. Yeah. So I just deeply appreciate everything that you've been doing and, uh, Uh, have you ever counted the amount of articles that you've written for the blog? Oh, gosh. <laughs> We have over 300 articles online, and probably 75-80% of them are mine. Yeah, yeah. They, they have been a lot. I remember that. So one question to you right now. If you look into the statistics for your blog post and uh, for your, just your workshops that you've done, what have been the most 
popular among musicians' topics that you've covered, speaking of music marketing? Actually, the, the biggest topic is always on how to get gigs or how to get better gigs. But from a marketing perspective, it is how to get your fans who are on Facebook to actually come and spend money with you. That seems to be the biggest topic because people have no trouble. You know, the, I've got a friend who has over 150,000 Twitter followers because she's followed 200,000 people. But converting them to actual buyers is a whole nother ballgame and that seems to be the biggest challenge that artists have yeah yeah it's true and uh it's still difficult to acquire users or rather fans on social media these days but um yeah it's, it's so true that many musicians who succeeded that face these other issues that it's really difficult to convert them into buyers and i know that it's a really complex question and uh, that there are uh, various uh, interesting business models that musicians can apply these days. But uh, since we touched up on this topic, maybe you can mention a few ideas of or some of the best practices, some of the things that you've seen from the speakers, or you obviously have written about this quite a lot. So um, how to optimize these uh, funnels? So not just focus on the amounts of followers and Facebook likes, but how to set it up Uh, how to set up your online presence to prepare better for selling, actually. So in the first place, do you have some recommendations to improve uh, the chances of selling something and earning online? Absolutely. Two of them in in particular. I see a lot of people who are able to attract a lot of people to their YouTube page, to their YouTube channel, and they get a lot of hits. They can get 10, 15,000 hits. A lot of times because they're doing cover songs, And there's nothing wrong with that. I totally believe in cover songs. But what they never do is actually sell those songs on iTunes or on Amazon. They don't ask for a sale. And they'd be amazed, you know, even if a thousand people out of those 20,000 visitors, if there's 20,000 YouTube videos, if a thousand people went and bought their their music off of iTunes, they'd be in a whole, you know, (laughs) a much better financial situation. And a lot of these people are doing, you know, two or three a week sometimes. And I know people who are making six figures doing nothing but YouTube videos because that's the way they do it. And so it's that for me, that's one of the biggest things that I I see artists missing the boat on. And that's usually what it is. It's, It's missing the boat somewhere. They never make that call to action. The other thing is that when you have followers, I think the best thing that you can do is set up a really good website that is your sales tool. A lot of people don't. They give their their website, it's kind of to them, it's just a necessary evil if they even have one or they'll send people just to Reverb Nation or something. But if you have a a website, to me, that is your sales tool. When somebody goes to that, they should immediately say, wow, I want to get to know more about this person. They should immediately be able to see a live video so that if it's a buyer, they're saying, I want to have that person. I want to hire that person. If it's a fan, they're saying, I know a club or a venue that they need to play in because everybody has some kind of contact. And it also should say, I want to buy this music. So you need to have your, your music very present right on the home page where people get to see that, you know, exactly what it is that you're trying to brand yourself as. And people can buy into that. And, you know, what I find is that people will get their followers on Facebook and get their followers on LinkedIn and get their followers on Twitter but they never turn around and send them to the website. Give them a reason to go to the site. 
if it's a contest, it's a survey or something, and then let the, the website itself be their sales tool. Let that make the sale. Most artists are afraid to make the sale. They're not salespeople. They're just creators. Yeah, that's yeah. that's such a great point. And uh, like these two points are, are great tips about the cover songs. I think um, uh, it's also common to not be educated uh, well enough about the this topic of cover songs, what exactly you can do or can do. So uh, uh, yeah, just going even to your blog and looking up some articles about cover songs. I'm sure that you've written something about that. Or like we, we've covered so, this on Data Music as well. Just learning what you can do and how to clear the mechanical licensing and so on. It's not that difficult, right? No, it's not. It's so definitely it's, not. And it is amazing when you discover these things and when you realize that you've been uh, missing on such opportunities with the videos that you've released. So that's a really good one. And and I fully agree about the website. I think that's one of the biggest issues with musicians not believing in uh, the potential of their websites. It's just that they have wrongly optimized websites. Oftentimes it's just some basic information. So uh, just as you mentioned, they are not optimized for sales and musicians sometimes are not the best salespeople out there. Yeah, so any idea on how to improve that? Maybe we need to change uh, the approach to sales somehow? Or how have you been solving this issue of explaining why uh, learning how to sell is a very good thing for musicians actually? Right. I mean, I always recommend that they take some kind of sales courses because whether you're trying to get yourself a gig and you're talking to a venue owner, you're in sales. If you're trying to get a record deal, obviously, if you're trying to get, if you're talking to a publisher and you're trying to get them to listen to some of your songs, you're in sales. No matter what you do, you're in sales. So I always recommend that they at least learn the basics of sales. But if you can't be the salesperson, especially for your website, hire somebody to design your website. You can go ahead and put all the content in if you want. But you need a, a format that is makes it so easy for people to want to buy your stuff. And to me, that's the biggest challenge that people have. And I'm learning more and more about this with the, all the direct sales stuff. I've been studying a lot of that. And mm-hmm. the fact that you know people do not, they'll have all the great information in the world. They'll have great songs for when it comes to artists and everything. But they never have a buy button. And they just don't drive people to it. And it's it doesn't... I think a lot of artists feel like they're selling out when they ask for that. And they have to realize that they're in business. Mm-hmm. And, and the only way they're going to make money is if they make the sale. And so you need to just have the tools that are going to facilitate that for you. Yeah, that's uh, something that I agree with 100%. And something that's uh, maybe a different topic, but uh, something that I just thought about and wanted to ask you, usually when we work as an agency or we spin, uh, we deal with uh, producers, bands, uh, singers and writers and so on. But I think you you uh, have experience of uh, dealing with quite a lot of songwriters who don't necessarily build their own brands and work with uh, other artists and I guess same for composers. So do you have any comments on uh, how songwriters and maybe optionally composers do these days? Okay. To me, getting a major cut is getting harder and harder, which means that independent songwriters need to find alternate ways to market their music. And there are countless ways and people don't think about this. There are you know, you can take your demos and you can license them to film and TV. 
You can also license them to products. There are products out there that play music all the time, everything from greeting cards to here's a toothbrush that plays another one bites the dust. So, you know, it's a market that people don't look at. If you write positive songs, you can connect with the whole positive music, positive book, motivational speaker circuit. You can sell your, you know, have people include your CDs in with their books or sell it as an upsell when they go to conferences and everything. I mean, there are so many different ways where songwriters and artists can get creative in getting their music out there. And, you know, I think it's also important for songwriters to not ignore the fact that other, that they can pitch their stuff to other independent artists. I think that it's huge. In fact, a lot of the biggest songwriters, what they're doing right now is they're finding artists that they think have a lot of potential and they're writing with them because if one of them breaks, you know, they get that huge windfall. And that's basically what happened with Taylor Swift, where she had a a co-writer who helped her learn the craft of songwriting on the first album. And everybody was saying, why are you working with with this 12-year-old girl? And she said, there's something that I believe in. You know, I believe in what she's doing. She's got some talent. And she ended up with seven cuts on the first album. So that, you know, it's really a market that a lot of independent songwriters just ignore. They don't look at other at other artists unless they're a major artist. They're saving all their songs for Tim McGraw or somebody, or, you know, whatever, whatever genre they're in. And they, they shouldn't be doing that. They should be getting it out there to independent artists. Yes, it's not going to be as much money, but you have a whole lot more opportunities with independent artists. Yeah. And there are so yeah. many, there's so many incredible singers out there who are not songwriters that you could be writing songs for. I mean, just finding people online on Reverb Nation who are singers, but only doing cover songs and saying, you know, would you like some original songs that are in the vein of what you're recording here? You know, especially if those people are out performing, they'll sell the CDs. So, I mean, or they'll sell the music. So I think that songwriters need to approach everything from a business perspective, just like artists do. They have to say, okay, where this is my, the biggest thing that I tell anybody. Anytime that you hear music, I don't care where you are, I don't care what you're doing, anytime that you hear music, somebody was looking for that music. Somebody was looking for a song. And so, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in a, you know, if it's music on hold, it doesn't matter if you're in a hospital and there's music in the background or in a restaurant or something. Somebody was looking for music. So there are opportunities everywhere. But most people just try to limit themselves to working with the major label artists because they think they want that that huge windfall. When at least here in Nashville, there are literally thousands of hit songwriters who are struggling to get the same attention that you know the independent unknown songwriters trying to get. And so it's so competitive. It's just incredible. And I'm sure it's the same in any major city. There are so little opportunities, especially when the labels are, first of all, signing less people. And secondly, they're developing them as songwriters so that they keep that publishing right in their own catalog, you know, right, right in the company. And so there are less and less and less opportunities for songwriters there. So if you're going to get your songs out there, you have to be looking at the alternative streams and you just have to get more of them to make the same kind of money. Yeah. Thank you a lot for sharing uh, information about that. I can imagine that it's uh, particularly special and natural. But and that's why it's especially interesting to hear about the topic from you. And uh, it's interesting. Yeah, obviously, in pretty much every market out there in the music world, there is a lot of competition. But uh, there are always people who find creative ways to do something. And uh, I'm sure it's, it's definitely doable to be 
you can become a successful songwriter even these days. Can I give you an example? Absolutely, yeah. I started a company back in 2001 called Volunteer Appreciation. And what we did is I went to nonprofit organizations and I said, I would like to write some songs for your organization. And I'd like to do some interviews with people who are in your organization, who are your members, who have been successful at whatever it is that you do. So, you know, if it's a YMCA, some of the people really got benefit from the YMCA. And we'll put together a CD for you that you can give to your volunteers, to your employees, to your donors. And in place of, you know, giving them a plaque that they're never going to hang up or giving them, you know, a a mug that is just going to get broken and tossed and it doesn't have any sentimental value to it. This would be a, a CD that would be very emotional. And you tell me what you want to write about and I'll put some things together and they have the final say on it. But we got some huge orders on that. We sold 10,000 CDs to the Nevada Commission on Sports to help raise money to bring the Olympics to the Reno Tahoe area. And so I created an opportunity out of absolutely nowhere. And we got a grant to put the, the, the recordings together. It was just incredible. And I did that with a, a YMCA here in town. I did it with a Boys and Girls Club. I even had a contract with Chicken Soup for the Soul. It never went as far as I wanted it to. But we were working with a, a major national organization under the Chicken Soup for the Soul brand doing the exact same thing. So you just have to get I love that story. And it's a great example. And I think that artists out there need to look out for such case studies and stories and be inspired. The point is not even in just uh, hearing what you've done and trying to implement it again, because these days and for them, it may not be the right fit. So oftentimes, if something was done in the past, it may not work uh, at all again. But when you learn about such stories and uh, such cases, you see that the opportunities are out there and that you need to think creatively and that you can come up with... um, something that is truly yours. So I like the stories like you just mentioned because it gives this inspiration to not just try to implement the same thing, but to try to find something along those lines maybe or just to to see what you create can fit um, a particular niche and something non-musical. This is what uh, we here absolutely do finding some markets that are not related to music and seeing how you can contribute uh, to them or how you can partner with a lifestyle organization or brand or a cause. So that's that's something really interesting. Actually, any, any interesting uh, case studies from uh, the artists you know, or maybe something recent? It can be not related to licensing opportunities or songwriting, but I'm just curious because I feel that you have quite a few interesting case studies to share. Well, well, you mentioned, you know, tying in with causes and things like that. And I know artists who are you know, tied in with a nonprofit where the nonprofit actually sends them around to do concerts, to do dinner theater type of shows, and just brings them all around the world to raise money for the nonprofit. And they make their money at the same time. And they sell CDs and they are playing for anywhere from 200 to 1,000 people every, you know, every weekend. And they're making really good money doing it. So, you know, to me, that's where the, the artists and the, the songwriters are going to really find their, their success from here on in. I think that cause marketing is a huge thing. I think tying in, if I had known what I know now when I started that company, Volunteer Appreciation, 
I would have actually gone and got a corporate sponsor to go ahead and pay for the CDs and let them put their little ad in with it or something. And that way, everything is paid for and you're not asking for a nonprofit for anything. And since then, I've put together programs like this whole deal with, with the dinner theaters where the artists are able to go out and basically just say, give me $10 per ticket. You sell at least 200 tickets and you know they charge whatever they want. It's a fundraiser, so they get a lot of money out of it. But the artist makes two grand on it. And so there are ways to get out there and develop a whole circuit to develop you know, somebody that believes in what you're doing. You're helping them at the same time. Artists have to get more creative when it comes to that. They have to find ways to tie in with either a cause or an organization. Or, and it could also be a hobby, an affinity. I mean, there are people that specialize in just you know, doing bike rallies, motorcycle rallies. Or um, I know people that go around and do all the free baseball game shows. I know one gal that wrote songs for the Girl Scouts. And she's got the only CDs that are in the Girl Scout catalog, 4 million Girl Scouts. You know, you awesome. just get... Yeah, so you just get creative with it and find find something that you absolutely love, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a cause, something that you absolutely love, and then get creative, brainstorm with your friends, brainstorm with the organization. How can we tie in together to support each other? And you'd be amazed what can come out of it because these organizations, these companies that are looking for unique ways to market themselves, they're all looking for something different that nobody else has done. So if you can give them something good, something that, that they can use for their marketing and you can brainstorm it together or come in with an idea, you may be surprised that you never have to look for a gig again because they will set you up with something that works for them and works for you at the same time. Excellent. Yeah, these are some really good tips. Uh, I appreciate that. And uh, you mentioned again your uh, one of your companies and I was going to ask you actually, so can you tell me a little bit more about your current activities and plans for this year? I know that there is something uh, in the works for musicians specifically. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, the company is Indie Connect. And we, as I mentioned, we, we started in 2007 with these luncheons and started putting all this content together, all of these workshops. And I also have been writing articles. I've written all those hundreds of articles and I've got guest articles and everything. And we put them all online. And what I found was that There is so much content there and there's so much content everywhere that artists and songwriters just get lost in it. You know, they, they say, how do I market myself? So they go to a website and there's, you know, 50 videos on how to market themselves and, and they just get lost in it. They don't know where to start. So I've put together a, a mentorship program and basically it's a little bit of my time but on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but a lot of group time, group phone calls and things like that combined with the fact that Instead of me having to explain, okay, you want to license your songs to film and TV, first you need to go watch this video, which tells you how to tell whether your songs are appropriate for video, for film and TV, and then go watch this video, which tells you how to market them. And so I can be very specific with people. And it really works to be able to do that because I don't have to spend a ton of time with people, but I can direct them to exactly what they need next. My next step with this is to actually certify people who want to be coaches to artists as Indie Connect coaches and have them, and also do a, I want to do a manager certification. We do manager training right now and actually certify people as managers to go ahead and, and get jobs as managers, teaching them everything from you know, business plans and financial projections and how to get sponsorships and endorsements and all the things that are the manager's responsibility. But basically trying to find a way to standardize the industry, standardize the coaching so that it's not people just trying to take advantage of artists who have these big dreams and are willing to spend their last dime 
to try to make them happen. You know, we're, we're all about being very realistic. Let's get you established in your local town. Let's get you branching out from there. Let's, you know, let's do things on a very realistic fashion where if the big deal never comes, you're still making a really good living. And a lot of people don't even want the big deal anymore. So, you know, we're trying to, like I said, trying to standardize the industry so that there are coaches out there for both artists and songwriters, and then also for artist managers who have a method of teaching that's standardized, just like there are national vocal coaching programs where you get a voice teacher and they could be local, but they've studied under this one, under this one company or this one vocal coach. And so they're kind of franchised. We want to do the same type of situation. We have licensed coaches all around the world that are teaching this method because we've got all this expertise online and we can utilize it all to, to make everybody successful. Really cool. Yeah. I've yeah. been in the educational uh, sphere and market myself. I really like your approach to these and uh, actually spreading the idea and knowledge and the network that you are building right now through uh, teaching and, and giving out certificates to people who really can coach musicians and business professionals. I really like that. So any estimates, launch date for that, for this program, and where can we learn more? I actually just launched a mentorship program a week ago. I just had my first clients signing up, and already it's going great. They're absolutely loving it. But that's it, IndieConnect.com, I-N-D-I-E, Connect.com. And we do have a page on there for coaches right now. I just have this huge network of people who are coaches. But either, you know, they're here in Nashville, but I also have a lot in LA and I did a lot of work in New York when I lived in Connecticut. So I have people that are, you know, that I have vetted that I feel are strong. And so I can connect people with other coaches. They're not certified through us. And a lot of times it's a one-time deal where they want to get, you know, have a, a day of performance coaching, let's say, but that is available. But I, and I would say within three months, I'll start actually certifying coaches to be Indie Connect coaches. Um, my problem that I have is that I know my genre of music. I know the people that I want to work with, but I don't like, for instance, I don't know the rock industry that well. So I have somebody else who is an Indie Connect coach in the rock industry. He's had a very successful independent band, as well as an independent record label. He toured with the Play Rock of Ages as the lead singer. So he knows that industry really well. So he's going to be the rock side of it. And I'm finding other coaches to cover different areas as well. So that's up in the works right now. And within three months, I'll have other coaches besides me. This sounds cool. So if there is someone listening to our conversation right now who has been coaching musicians probably or mm -hmm. feel that they uh, have the knowledge and want to give, give it a shot, so can they sign up for the program or just to at least connect with you? They can connect with me right now. I don't have the certification set up but they definitely can, can learn from what we're doing. And if I had a couple of people that wanted to do that right now, I would actually start that program immediately. It wouldn't take much. Um, it would basically be very similar to, the, to what the management program is, um, where we're coaching managers right now. Excellent, excellent. It's great. I think that the best advice to the listener at this point is to just um, go to your website. And by the way, we are linking to... All the resources mentioned in the show in the show notes at wispin.co. So uh, we will, of course, make it easy to find what you were talking about. And uh, just, yeah, just uh, look into the resources available and uh, what you offer and what you're working on. Sounds really exciting. 
so once again, just before we start this uh, recording, uh, I mentioned that it seems like it will be a really big and busy summer for you, which is exciting. So thank you so much for the uh, insights and information. Any uh, last words or advice or anything else that you wanted to mention about your projects? Um, not about the projects. Just the, the only advice, the last advice that I would have is that whether you're a songwriter or you're an artist, I believe that for everyone, there is a market. And your job is to find that market. And I don't care what kind of music you do. I don't care even how good you are. I mean, I was never the best player. I was never the best singer. I can't sing. And yet I made a living at it because I figured out what it was that I did best. And I found people who loved my personality and what I did. And I was able to build a career off of that. So I think that you know, there is room for everybody. And that's the, the artist and the songwriter's biggest goal. That's, that should be their biggest job is to just find that tribe, find their own tribe, the people that love what they do. And they'll be fine from there on in. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is it. You've been listening to the Whispin Recipes podcast, just as a reminder. And today's guest was Vinny Ribas, the CEO of uh, IndieConnect. And uh, I encourage you to learn more about the company at IndieConnect.com. And you can find the link in the show notes, obviously. And if you have any questions, suggestions, ideas, or just want to learn more, you just feel free to reach out to Vinny directly uh, using the contact form on the website. Uh, so uh, thank you for listening. As always, uh, a lot of great and interesting uh, podcasts coming up soon. I promise you to keep up with this schedule from now on again. Uh, if you uh, have any feedback to me, then please leave a comment if you're listening to the show on uh, SoundCloud or email me andrew at wispin.co. Thank you again and see you next week. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com.